0: Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California, I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and this is LGR, Liberal Guilt Radio. I am joined remotely by my illustrious co-host, Ben. How are you doing, pal?
1: Pretty good. Drinking some mineral water. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. How is your New Year's uh resolution of not reading
1: doing? <laughs> Dude, so, well, the punchline is fantastic. It, so already, and I already forgot the details, which is even better, but at a nice. party this weekend, someone said something in conversation mm. where it's one of those things where, like, if you just barely pay attention to what's going on and writing on the internet, you would have known this. And yeah. I knew, just because I, you know, I followed things so closely for so long. I know the general contour, so I knew it was a current event. But I was like, "Wow, I had no idea this happened, and now I've already forgotten what the topic was, which is even better."
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and my writing about long- it
1: has just oh, it's been great. So it's a fantastic experiment.
0: Well, the long and the short of the long and the short of it is nothing has happened, but I'm glad to hear that your your writing productivity has increased. So, tell us what are you working on, unless you don't want to like spoil a future publication or something.
1: No, it's fine. I um I'm too discursive to stay everyone keeps saying like, oh, just do one thing at a time. But hey, I tried that. So mainly what I'm writing about, or what we talked about here before. Um mm. this idea of consciousness and multi-dimensionality. Um, but most recently trying to make connections between the axiomatic um underpinnings of like the philosophy of modern liberalism with <laughs> Uh, the rise of machine-generated text, what we call AI. And mm. have just, yeah, have a lot. I'm not, we're not going to go into that right now. But just a lot of just interesting connections I've already been making that we'll get back to at some other point. It's been just fantastic. And yeah, last night, though, was much different. Last night was, I, I you know, we keep making the joke. I mean, I didn't start this, obviously, but how one of the presidential candidates <laughs> is a bag of chips, Cheetos. Mm. how we've got two bags of chips running for president. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mm-hmm. have a lot of other candidates, but we have... Such a- and we'll
0: them. get into that later. We'll get into that exactly. later. i got a lot to say about other candidates.
1: So last night, it actually ended up being about two, over 2,000 words. I'm doing all handwritten stuff, but about 2,000 mm. words on, on developing a scene of two actual bags of chips as the candidates with all of the text... <laughs> imagery being created by AI, by machine-generated text. <laughs> You're and such a concrete actual... thinker and then also
0: an abstract thinker at the same time. It's really incredible, oh, yeah. man. I'm uh, proud of well, you.
1: Thank you. Because I I kept it so abstract for so long. I'm like, I got to make some ties. I have to tether to something that other people But can then you make
0: the it – then you pick something that's so literal. Like, wasn't there just, like, some some guy in one of your stories that was, like, a – hot dog and his name was like hot dog or he was like a
1: Frankie Frankie the Frankfurter so I've been really working on Hugh, <laughs> yeah my exactly book. my book Love human it. is really actually coming together I'm gonna make a word manuscript by the end of the first quarter um, oh, yeah. I'm at like I already have way more than that but I'm trying to just write it from start to finish without using any of my notes for the past few years and then go back and edit next quarter but Frankie and the, the most recent scene i wrote a few days ago was the great flood because remember we've got a lot of parallels with the that great right. book it's probably the one terms.
0: it's probably the one great myth that's like actually true just because like everybody's talked about it also superman every culture has superman in a flood
1: exactly so the flood scene just happened in Frankie, with uh Buzz B, who's the mechanical bee and cage free egg um the flood. speed, Jesus Christ! <laughs> but the the, the 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 collection of them after they escape are going to obviously restart humanity. But uh, Frankie's bun just got soggy on trying to load onto the ark, so he's now oh, just damn, a so... hot dog. Yeah. Oh shit! And I gotta. I have a bunch of notes from last year. I can't mm-hmm. even remember, but somehow about the bun reconstituting itself. It's all. It's the GMO oh, hot dog. <laughs> Yeah, he's just a loose hot dog trying to take his get human out of prison, but the physical prison might actually be a mental one of his own making. So I gotta decide how concrete to make it. But yeah, so it's been good. And I have I have every idea what's going on in the world without having read anything for four weeks. Other than weather.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Other than traffic and weather, because those come together.
1: Oh my god. Every 15 minutes. I just found this new, not new to me, uh, atmospheric river. So Mm. the Scripps Institute of Oceanography at UC San Diego. Is that the thing from Ghostbusters 2? I should watch Ghostbusters 2, it sounds like.
0: (laughs) I feel like an underrated classic, baby. Love Ghostbusters 2. Well, also, I feel like it's a job. Second best New Year's. Second best. Oh, you... You work for me now? All right, that's right. All right, well, the first order of business, your first order is you better fucking watch
1: Ghostbusters too. I work for a legal entity called Liberal Guilt Radio. So fuck that's you, right. I don't work for you.
0: It's actually an illegal <laughs> entity because we don't recognize the authority of the federal
1: government. I think you i made have, that clear about And you have 106% ownership of it, which I'm not sure how you got mm-hmm. to that, but I don't want to... It's one of those I, things... Uh, yeah. That, like someone, if you ever find out... Someone has like 109% ownership of something, it's probably best to keep your Mm -hmm. mouth shut because if that's how the calculations work out, you don't want you don't want to know why because you're not gonna live for long to tell the tale. Right. Does that
0: mean you own like all of Walmart, but also 10% of Kmart? It's just got like a side thing. Like, I also own nine percent of some other shitty podcast that no one listens to, mm, possibly my own.
1: I was thinking it like when people start owning over a hundred percent of big things they probably have their own private standing army isn't that just fraud like isn't that the wait yeah also, but the higher the plot up of the get. producers that's the plot of broadway's the producers exactly that's producers. the best i have seen that movie does that's oh, a great picture and, oh and an that's okay the musical. greatest the best that's musical. the greatest well wait. i think so it's great it's the best if you're like having people over and you're cooking and they're all hanging out and it gets quiet and you just start singing springtime for Hitler and germany but you're cooking like dinner no people mm, are like, oh. most people already know the reference but if they don't they're like interesting um, the, the problem is if somebody's like i love that song
0: for like i literally love that song it is springtime for Hitler." you
1: just said you don't recognize the authority of you know let's not say that name because we'll get in trouble but basically <laughs> the higher up you go yeah. Once you start writing the rules and laws, whatever you do is no longer mm-hmm. law. It's not illegal. Right. Yeah, because I come up are... with the rules
0: for liberal guilt radio. my first rule is I can do whatever the fuck I want. That's basically what it's Trump not wants. Really a it's a like, rule. Tr- Trump's like, I want to amend the constitution and we're going to put the 69th Amendment. I know we've made that joke before, but anytime we mention an amendment on the show, it'll be amendment 69. That They'll eventually catch up with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or 420. We can also do 420. It's a great number. We're doing very well in terms of 420. And I think that's the number we're going to use for our amendment. And the amendment says that I could get away with whatever I want. Literally, I can do whatever the fuck I want. That's what he wants. It's, it's great. Right, but, but anyway, well, mean, if you look at
1: all of our presidents, I mean, like you'd say, like Nixon was the last one to go out with grace. All of them get away with whatever they want. <laughs> Wait, he
0: resigned in disgrace. How did he go out with grace?
1: Because he actually left. Last, remember last uh, That's true. podcast, we were talking about how we've got two bags of chips that probably should have been like, you know what? My time, I'm done. I shouldn't be here. Let someone else do this. Well,
0: Richard... Richard Nixon was like a fucked up guy and uh, did a lot of bad things, uh, especially as president. But Nixon did manage to end two very unpopular things. He managed to end the Vietnam War and the political career of Richard Milhouse Nixon. Like, (laughs) everyone hated Vietnam and they hated Nixon and he got rid
1: of both. It's impressive, yeah. he's. To be honest with you, I have done almost no reading as, as him and his administration. Most of what I know about him is through you. So <laughs> oh, man, that's lot, bad.
0: Right? That is bad. Because it's like, you you but know he it went out the movie Dick with Dan He went out
1: with Grace. Oh, my God. So I found this book. Dude, so he's honestly one. like
0: my favorite president, I think, just in terms of like the pure story, the pure, like, the pure like lesson of it. Like I feel like if we look back and we learn lessons from our presidents, like obviously we learn a great lesson from Abraham Lincoln. You know, he was brave and putting, you know, everything on the line to say slavery's gotta stop. You know, uh, uh I think uh FDR, you know, he is uh, uh he has lots of good lessons to learn from too the good things he did and the bad things he did and I think you know Nixon there's good things he did. And more importantly, there's lessons. Like we're far away enough from Nixon that I think we can kind of look back on him as like a tragic figure, not like someone who, and it's easy for us. We didn't live through Watergate, not somebody who like is actively harming the country I mean, the son of a bitch is dead. Yeah. But in terms of giving, he still did
1: harm the country. In terms of giving liberals guilt. Uh, I, one of the last articles I read, uh, from a very reputable journalist who's independent i can't remember his name back in december was showing... <laughs> perez
0: hilton was
1: putting
0: on richard nixon's
1: face so no so just putting all the parallels between how the press and they were focused mainly on washington post new york times and a few others how they oh, handled the watergate post. versus how they handled both allegations against either trump or biden and how uh, there's at least one outlet for either one, if not more, that instead of actively trying to uh, look into allegations, even if, you know, it was much more of a cover up job now than anything by our press, which is the role they have typically played in history It's just there was just like, quote unquote, golden age for a few generations when right before we were born. But that doesn't mean that it ever has to come back in our lifetime, but it was just a brilliant piece showing In their own words, using either headlines and clips, just some parallels between the 70s and today with Nixon Mm -hmm. versus either Trump or Biden, and mainly around the Washington Post and New York Times, and just how absolutely abysmal they are basically just serving as a handmaiden of the government, which if it's really playing its supposed role, it should in a quote-unquote liberal society, they should be uh, actively investigating things and telling us things, not being stenographers. So... Uh, you know, nothing well, new. Is- this is why I stopped reading a lot because it's like, well, yeah, I read this whole thing. It was like 15 pages long. I'm like, Everything's I didn't already anything happened. Learn anything. Yeah, exactly. Except for Hoverboards. Like, okay. So let me ask you back to Nixon.
0: Well, well, look, well, yeah, look. Okay. But first of all, get this. It's interesting that you should bring this up because the other day or a few months ago, we were talking about Ben Bradley, who was the editor of Newsweek and then eventually the Washington Post during all that Watergate stuff. And we were talking about the idea of Conspiracy theory, the idea of having a theory about a potential conspiracy and kind of proving it or not. And we were talking about like uh how the CIA basically had control uh over um the kind of editorial board and uh the general direction and uh content of many, many um, major news sources in the United States. And we were saying like it doesn't have to be that somebody at the washington post or newsweek or whatever is like i'm undercover from the cia to write articles it doesn't have to be like that and it's when we were talking about that right remember this a couple months ago mm-hmm. and i I, I've been doing a lot of research again into the, the CIA and that time period that we were just talking about and before and read a couple of good books. One about this guy, Jim Angleton, who was the uh, head of counterintelligence for the United States. So like basically like trying to fend off our enemy spies. He was a crazy paranoid madman. Uh, and then of course, Devil's Chessboard, which is about Alan Dulles, the longest serving um, head of the, the CIA and uh, Also basically tried to sell us out to the Nazis to broker a deal in World War II. But anyway, we were talking about Ben Bradley as an example. And Ben Bradley was the editor at Washington Post during the Watergate um, articles. And get this, Ben Bradley's sister-in-law is a woman named Mary Pinchot Meyer. And she was like a celebrated, cool person, New York socialite in her own right, amazing artist. Shouldn't have said socialite. She was an artist. She was a uh, uh, really uh, colorful and uh, vibrant and energetic and uh, uh, amazing woman. And she was also the ex-wife of Cord Meyer, who was a high-level CIA operative. Okay, so that guy we were talking about, Ben Bradley, mm. yes, his sister-in-law is this uh, this woman about town who's married to the CIA, kind of married to the mob, but they get divorced, right? Uh, Cord, Cord Meyer and Mary Pinchot Meyer, and uh, she used to um, uh, walk along the Potomac. They lived in D.C. still, and she was murdered one night. And they tried to pin it on this young black man, but he didn't do it. And this civil rights attorney, she, this woman, this amazing woman, she believed in him and she came down and defended him and got him off. So they never figure out who killed Mary Pinchot Meyer when she was out walking by herself. And here's the thing. Mary Pinchot Meyer was also the mistress of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And in fact, she told Timothy Leary that she did acid Sweet. with JFK, and JFK told him, told her that supposedly <laughs> he was trying to get to the bottom of space aliens. So here's the thing then it always leads to space aliens, which I don't believe in necessarily. I mean, I don't not believe it, but they always tie it into that at the end so that everything else you yeah. said is crazy, right? Okay, exactly. but bring it back now. So That's Mary Pinchot Meyer, she was having this affair with JFK. A uh, former F- or former uh, CIA wife. She's murdered. No one knows who did it. Okay. She also had this diary, and no one knows what's in the diary. But she told our friend, our our beautiful protagonist that we were talking about a few months ago, Ben Bradley, that she had a journal a diary, and if she was mm-hmm. ever killed, that he had to go recover the diary. Mm-hmm. And so that night, everybody is so there is like this kind of East Coast georgetown old school yale skull and crossbones um cia like insiders there was like the like the the mid-level guys who were kind of the thugs and enforcers then there was like the trash that was out there like you know doing um you know the the really low level stuff but there was these multiple layers and the the top layer the top cast was like you know this inner circle of Alan Dulles and Jim Angleton and these guys. So Ben Bradley's looking around the Pinchot Meyer house for the diary and she goes into the, um, or he goes into the, uh, like her bedroom or the office or something. And, um, he finds Jim Angleton, the head of counterintelligence for the United States trying to break into her state safe to get the diary. Wow. And according to him, and like he talked about in the interview in C-SPAN, he was like, no, uh, let me find it. He found the diary and he handed it over to her, handed it over to the head of counterintelligence for the CIA. And the murder of Mary Pinchot Minor happened in D.C., so it was a federal trial. And Ben Bradley was a witness, and he said when they went into her house, they found this, this and that. And he didn't lie. He didn't say, I didn't find the diary, but he didn't say anything about the diary. And he gave the diary. Whether Jim Angleton put a gun to his head and said, give me the diary, or said, I'll make it, I'll make you suffer if you give me the diary, or if he just actively gave him the diary, he gave him the diary and they obstructed justice. So <laughs> we were just talking about, yeah, maybe Ben Bradley, there's an example. I just kind of pulled him out of thin air. And then I'm just reading this other book and I'm like, holy shit, there he is, this woman who's like in the center of all of this intrigue and has a diary that says God knows what about everything. Could be the the key to it all, baby. The big answers to everything. Life, the universe, and the end of time. And this guy takes the diary and gives it to the CIA.
1: Damn, son. Nice. Anyway, you you had had a question for me. Well, let me first, before I ask. The question: Who would you give the diary to if you found it?
0: I'd give it to Dorothy Kilgallen, but I think she was probably already dead by then. No, today. But today? Oh, today? oh uh, you know, I would give it to someone. I would give it to a woman who is a like a scholar. Like I'd probably give it to Lisa Pease, honestly. Lisa. So,
1: and you, you obviously know that. I guess it's all this rage that supposedly men every day think about the Roman Empire. Do you? <laughs> yeah, ever thought day about it though? today. No, but do you ever yeah, well, think about yourself yeah. as living in the 70s? Is that basically where you are most days?
0: No, but I think about like I think about like the the secret government that controls everything pretty much every day. That is my Roman but Empire. 19- current
1: is the current Roman Empire. Yes, but are you living well, in the- here, like 1973? for instance
0: i've been accused of that and i've been told about literally a listener of inside jobs accused me of being accused. a member of the nixon and he accused me of being a time traveling member of the nixon administration i can't remember the gentleman's name who made this accusation or the guy that he said i was I'm calling but he drew it, this he, you, he drew you, this you. diagram of me and this guy and comparing our faces like in some conspiracy book it was great sorry you had a question earlier
1: well first i have an as you call it accusation but for somebody who vocally said says they don't uh, uh, recognize the authority of X Y Z, which we're not naming, you sure lean on a lot of the terminology and lexicon of that authority figure. You're talking about illegality. You just uh, what other words you'd use? you would use? Use several words that have that come directly from this supposed. Authority Look, I don't give really a shit. Recognize. Look, I, I don't give a shit. Accusation or not was ben... the most recent one. I don't give a shit
0: whether or not Ben Bradley was a spook or worked for the spooks or not. I just think it's interesting and hilarious that like Tom Hanks plays him in a Spielberg movie where they just fucking fillet him in front front of (laughs) of cinema goers across the world when he was a shady dude who helped the CIA obstruct justice. Yeah, no, okay, I'm there you go, here. you got it, no, no, you, you got it. Look, I said, I just said, obstruct justice. I don't give a shit, I really don't. And you're talking about uh,
1: accusations. All I was, I was teasing you, because mm-hmm. it's like, what you mm. call someone accusing you of? This is your self-proclaimed reality every day. I mean, look at the yeah. posters behind you. Every, the first few yeah, you right. recommended me were all from the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good thing. I mean, it's great. Well, so I'm talking to you in the past, or are we in the future? you're no i i am
0: here i i just I, I i guess i would say i am a so
1: yeah i don't know but time with a diary so you would call her, <laughs> no, so, so the where my mind actually went was with the socialite <laughs> reference where you backed up on that is socialite is really just another word for like a public philosopher uh mm. it's just In a way, obviously yeah. gendered over time but the image well, it's a way to make an important
0: woman like Mary Poonstrow Meyer, make an important woman like her look just like a, like a nobody, just like a. You know,
1: no, but what it really is the reality, not the PR campaigns out of people that either want to super up or put her down, is that it really just means it's somebody who's talking to a lot of people on a regular basis and probably listening uh-huh. to a lot too. So. So that's why her diary was – that's why multiple people were going to look for that diary because a socialite is really a public philosopher. So not only did she uh, kind of get into everyone's head most likely and the people she knew were, like you're saying, heads of CIA and shit like that uh, and the Mm -hmm. president, but also she probably – And Timothy Leary too. And she was probably told a whole lot of stuff by people who felt very comfortable around her after she does these like brilliant yeah. philosophical inquiries. Um so yeah that's uh that diary would would certainly be a good one to read. But um <coughs> What
0: is time for it's all this just, diary shit? Come on.
1: I didn't a podcast like, like you, that,
0: Mary Pinshaw just have a podcast.
1: You really just choose at the end of the day how you want to spend your time. I think one of the biggest uh real challenges is not trying to quote unquote, like figure out all the like causal chains of things between people's actions and like outcomes in which you can't really ascribe to say one person, like say when the president signs a law, the president, the law is not the president just because there's signatures on it. So it's kind of like where I went with this and like briefly with like, the law is not the president. I don't know. Maybe it is. The Supreme no, no, no. Court you that you
0: right now is crazy. We could be like, is the law the president? They'd be like, yes, yes it is.
1: Yeah, but nine the out of ten that works at the- robed clerics agree it is. Right, but at the end of the day, there are individuals making decisions based on information they take in from around them. And just because mm-hmm. one body, whether it's a Supreme Court or not, makes an edict it doesn't mean that everyone's just going to jump and start trying to implement it for one it's impossible because most there's so much self-contradiction but beyond that it's just one source of information regardless of the authority placed in it at any given time so the way i kind of think about it from like the consciousness perspective and dimensionality is that be because uh consciousness in part is just the embodiment of all of the different things that all of the different sources of information, one of which is people just talking. Every time that more talk happens, you you get further and further from fully understanding what consciousness is because if it's infinite and it includes things as they're happening as well as as they relate to other things, infinity uh-huh. is also growing. So it's infinity uh-huh. plus infinity you can't ever actually reach it even though it but what it means is that infinity as a concept is countable so there are a countable number of things so every so like let's say word count you could count that and even if it's infinity it's still countable but you don't ever get closer to the concept of infinity if it's say infinity plus infinity or infinity to the power of infinity or it includes new terms in the infinity itself which is where I'm going with it, and so where I re- end up getting to is just like the one reason why I decided to stop reading this year is that understanding like the process or the method of something that you've already seen the contours of before doesn't actually necessarily make you more informed at all. The play by play, yes. But in terms of understanding things at at different levels, following the play by play of something akin to like a wrestling match. uh <laughs> Doesn't necessarily expand your understanding or comprehension of the world um, mm. beyond just knowing how to spout off what happened one after the other. That's why we have like an obsession with like battles and stuff. It's they can count up all this thing. You can look at like how how things move. It's around. like ba- it's
0: like base baseball scores. You know what I mean? It's like the box yeah, it's base- horse. I call it <laughs> for history.
1: I yeah. like calling it horse trading. And then I've seen the analogy made to wrestling matches by even like tenured professors at universities like columbia so it's i mean it's fringe but it's also you know some people dabble in it that have that authority behind it is
0: funny that the like educational institutions of our society are pretty much like fringe
1: and i think they always
0: have been i mean that that they should be like i feel like if your institution is like not only trying to educate people but also trying to push forward whatever whatever your disciplines are you kind of have to be on the edge which which includes like being wrong about things, like having crazy theories and stuff. I'm also reading right now, um, Brief History of Time by Hawking, which we should talk about. Oh, because yes. like I, I have I, read that. Stephen Hawking's on the, he's on the flight looks. It's great. It's a very, uh, it's a very digestible, like introduction to some, some basic astrophysical concepts. And, you know, I found it not that different than like reading philosophy. You know, because it's not really into the the mathematics of it. Like, it's still it feels intangible. You know, like okay, yeah. the universe is expanding and uh, uh, it looks the same from either side. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, my little like microscopic insect eyes cannot comprehend these things. So it's like you, you can be looking at it like just the pure mathematics of it, like how it all You're a
1: little how, how it
0: all adds up. Or you just think about it like, this is all I'm equipped to do, just think about it from the philosophical implications. Like, you know, talking lists off like the length of time and the size of things, and these millions and millions and millions, like these preposterous digits, you know, these preposterous figures. And it's like, I'm not a numbers person, but like, I'm just trying to grapple with it. um, You get the scale. Philosophically. The scale, I'm like, that's really fucking big.
1: So (laughs) you're interesting,
0: right before you told me- that's really fucking long. Hmm. (laughs) Yes, I'm almost done. I haven't finished it yet. I'll be done tomorrow. It's a pretty digestible little
1: book. It really is. Um, And what's interesting is the night before you told me you were reading it, the line I had written, and I couldn't quite develop it yet, I tried twice since then, was that science is just philosophy with really high energy uh, Mm -hmm. tools and machines behind it. Well, you're asked to
0: prove your theories. uh, philosophy no but
1: proof. well it depends on what you consider proof why does a proof have to entail the sending of spaceships in the orbit that have new compressed nuclear power generation to stay afloat for longer like it depends on how what a society wants to say is proof enough it's like well it's cool you can do this but it's still totally abstraction well it's also still an abstraction of whatever Mm. you're saying you're proving and so yeah, there's right. limitations to anything we put into words because everything we put into words it is an abstraction of whatever it is describing because <laughs> the thing we're describing are not the words themselves. It's some phenomenon. And that's mm-hmm. part of, like he you said, he explains the uncertainty principle. And one of the key aspects is like, you can't both Heisen- know, Heisenberg? There uh, was many other, several people yeah. have been credited with it. It's one of those there's so, that's been around for a while. Li- the,
0: there was the guys before that who were like, everything we can document everything and then we can therefore predict everything like i like those guys those pre-heisenberg dudes that were like uh no nothing is uncertain we can fucking figure out exactly what's going on and from there predict everything well that's it's interesting it's, yeah and then heisenberg basically he he comes in and is like okay well no <laughs> Everything is everything is like is chaos, and then you get into entropy and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, but um, what?
1: The, what? The, I mean, but the elegance of like the uncertainty principle is really just that there's a trade off between knowing a thing's position um, mm-hmm. in more than one dimension, so in space and time, say, because you have an observation tool to quote unquote see it, and you're never actually seeing what you think you're seeing because of the trade off between the fact that the way that we're observing, what we're calling part of a proof, is in of itself not the actual thing. Like if we're mm. using a telescope to see something, there's a gap between what we see in reality. So they're saying that there's a trade off yeah. between knowing the exact. Oh, dude, I loved hearing
0: about know. like, hearing about uh, uh, gamma rays, reading about that, reading about like. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, You know, like light coming to us, you know what I mean? Like the the fact that, like, you know, I guess I already always knew this, but the fact that like the stars we're seeing are dead, we're seeing them from fucking millions of years ago. It's
1: cool. Oh, it totally
0: is anyway. I'm just like a that's the funny thing about like someone like me reading a book like this, because like when they when he documents like the dumb ways that people used to think, like people used to think this. I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then it's like, but this is what we figured out black holes and stuff. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that does make sense. yeah but Um, it it's cool how he also goes into these like newton i have isaac newton's job like there's like they have this book where they all like they all like uh i don't know stencil their dicks in a page for this book for like six thousand years each guy that uh, gets to be the head of uh, whatever science school (laughs) hockey went to in england cambridge or some shit but anyway that's not yeah. the point. The Harry Potter of science aside, like the Hogwarts of it all aside, um, he made him and Carl Sagan made really uh, interesting scientific concepts digestible for fucking morons like me.
1: And they God bless did. him for it. Yeah, but he might
0: be on the flight logs. So now we're back. But to the he's editors.
1: also the only like critique I have. I mean, this was just not him. Obviously, it's anyone who mm. sees themselves as recreating some. Part of their culture in this case, it's you know astrophysics and things like that, and yeah. in, in the world around us. But it's that the air of Excelsior, like this sense of everything new that we do is necessarily better than what came before. So the only part that I find just like well, the Excelsior these, like was saying, the no, what they the do ship is they after o- the Starship Enterprise, right? But they over one way they do it is they oversimplify whatever happened in the past in this very right. uh either implicit or explicit dis- dismissal of it to make whatever now seems like oh our black holes it's like before like you said dumb ways it's it's like it's certainly different and a lot of it's novel in sense of what can be quote-unquote seen from say mm-hmm. a screen on yeah. earth that's happening out there supposedly um right but it's it's less so it was description of all these concepts is amazing. I remember reading that a long time ago and then coming back to it. It's just that that um that that hubris of the sense that no matter what we're doing now, even for all its flaws is necessarily better than what came before. And this okay, critic of, of modern and this critic of modern liberalism I'm reading uh Dano Cumming, who I say is one of my only books this year. I haven't picked it up since the last one. I needed a break. But one of his like central tenets of uh, modern liberalism, which he's saying is starting with the son of Mill. So J.S. Mill, Uh, one of the, I mean, he spends pages and pages describing this, so I don't want to go into that much now, but it's basically that this idea of continual progress, that by that each that history far in advance is less relevant to now because things are changing and progressing so quickly. And it became one way of also more easily recreating whatever that um, mythos is, that ethos is, whether you call it a politics or a philosophy or a religion or whatever, it always has some aspects of all of those things from like an anthropological standpoint. But it's basically... um, taking those things and saying that because just just it becomes axiomatic where you don't really even talk about it anymore, this idea of whatever we're doing now, because either we're using more advanced uh, like visualization tools or computers or 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 lasers or what have you, that it's necessarily an improvement from the past. Even mm. if it has limitations and it causes pollution all that, it just has become, and this was his observation in 73 when he wrote this book, which he spent 15 Damn. years writing it. So it's really, and like reading this and knowing it was written in the seventies, but you know, the idea that intergenerational change obviously takes generations and we're now like <laughs> three or four generations into this guy's uh, kind of view of how, from like a descriptive standpoint modern liberalism has taken shape starting with mill but then also going back to cicero and and other greeks and and romans and others so staying in like the quote-unquote great west but showing how not only were the things they were saying were new like including j.s mill in 19th century that machiavelli and others had done that same thing before but there's written evidence because the stuff still exists <clears throat> of what they're saying <clears throat> being new existing in either the greeks or whatever came before then so part of it is kind of like that pr campaign and one of the great ways of having a very good pr cane, or pr campaign over time is that certain things just become axiomatic you don't talk about them anymore and one of those things is this idea of progress so like someone like stephen hawking gets you and me and others to just kind of think what they used to do was dumb, as you said, or like backwards or primitive or whatever. Oh, no,
0: those people who came no, up with it's... that
1: were those people came up that back in the day were smart. I'm dumb. Just that's oh, why yeah, I know, but read what I'm smart. saying is someone like Hawking like the institution he's in and why, like, you know, I had started down that road. and I'm glad that mm-hmm. I met my now, you know, Chris when I did. Was oh, being that a
0: Hogwarts that, person living in yeah, the being in the ivory life. tower,
1: like being a theoretical economist at like UC Berkeley or the oh God, CIA, yeah.
0: we wouldn't, we would not be friends, honestly.
1: Well, and we like, never would have met. <laughs> the first place. But no, but or, what if,
0: even if we did, you'd be like, and you told me what you do, no, actually, I'd be interested. Like, oh, <clears> well, I'd be a different person. Go,
1: I wouldn't be. Who we'd be I at was, a cocktail
0: so... party in 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 the Bay Area, and I'd be like,
1: who wants to smoke weed? And you'd be like, I'm down. And then I'm like, oh, all yeah. right, this guy's as much of a pussy as I thought. <laughs> yeah, like my like two, the two, two of the writers I've most recently read more about their personal life: Susan Sontag and um, Ray Bradbury. Oh, yeah.
0: Neither oh, both of them, love them,
1: Titans, both, but both Titans. of them had a reputation of not wanting to speak. At universities, publicly, both of them were finally gave into an invitation and just excoriated the entire university system in the relationship with like being a student. How it's a big waste of time, and we're never invited back. But it just because I was thinking, I was like, I'm just far too love it. Anti authority, authority, and it's been like that since I was born. I know, but I love learning. Like, no, I I do, and there's so many ways. Like, school sucks so hard. Well, it's this hegemony of knowledge is really. But it's this hegemony; it creates the hierarchy of what's considered. So, what do we do?
0: Do we just like read, try to read and do as much as possible? Because that's like what school supposed to be. Yeah, you go. It's supposed to be like a nice little pod for everybody to like read and learn. You know, read and try things out, whatever. But we got all the these 70s. California content standards and stuff where it's like you have to do X, Y, Z, you know, because yeah. then they have to pass this test so they can pass that test. So they can pass this test so they can get in a bunch of debt and not have fucking jobs.
1: And they complain yeah. about it on TikTok. <clears throat> but no, in terms of like the university and, and exploring ideas and learning, like you said, yeah. again, to, to Noon Cumming, one of the observations he made and he was at, um, I think, he, oh, he's at Columbia University in, in Manhattan so mm. Columbia there, is could, sick
0: though that Colombia yeah so cool. he we was like there they, they're in the movie Ghostbusters we'll give it right
1: that. so so he was there and he was already observing this idea of what we call like specialization right in a field and the crap he calls it like the craftsmanship or something so again mm. we're another 50 years into this in which it becomes as you get deeper and deeper into like a university system or one department or specialty it becomes so self-referential and um like either jargony or its own little way of speaking that it's largely impossible to really talk about dude. It, it's just collapsing
0: because it's just collapsing it's like, because it's not a it's not a good deal. Like it used to be like no. okay, you had a great great experience and you get like this great seal of approval <clears> with the diploma and degree when you're done with like a good school. Okay. Great. Fine. But then COVID takes that away. It's like, well everything's like remote. So you don't get the uh you don't get the experience of like going in You know, and enjoying that. So there's a whole like generation that lost the freshman and sophomore year. It's really kind of sad. They didn't get any of that. So and then now like the credibility of these upper crust Ivy League, East Coast elite establishment university. Now that their credibility, one way or the other, is shot with everybody. Whether you're pro-Palestine, anti-Palestine, pro-Israel, anti-Israel, like everyone's fucking fed up with princeton and harvard right now so even that little seal of approval doesn't mean anything so Mm. gosh it's just a shit deal and i think how do we salvage the institution all right well the institution i think has to maybe be more revolutionary the academy has to be more revolutionary i think i really respect the way things were at uc santa cruz when i was a when i was at the academy You know what I mean? Like the students shut down the roads to their own school to protest the Bush's war, didn't really do anything. But they're on the right side. Every single one of my professors made it part of their course material to talk about what a horrible thing this war was. And goddamn, that was, you know, I guess fringe thinking in 2000 whatever to think war was bad. But uh, it was nice to go from like, you know, the cushy suburban environment where after 9-11, everybody was like, Oh, oh we, we gotta go over there and kill Haji. Oh, yeah, whatever. Gee, fuck up, jihad, you know, and like I was just kind of grossed out by the whole thing because I I just from learning about Vietnam and stuff, I knew exactly how it would end up. Not well for us, and that like a whole generation of people would get fucked up. Um, and I'm really proud that the institution like stood up for that. And uh that being said, uh I don't think I really got any marketable skills out of there, although I guess I learned about Japanese no drama and that helped. <laughs> so whatever. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the point? What's the point? I don't know. How do we salvage the academy? We, I think we don't need to. You know, yeah. But because I don't think anyone trusts the academy as a place where it's like, well, they have the definitive library and all the people guarding the library are the definitive holder of all facts. People's search for truth is not that facile anymore and it's not that transactional either.
1: When you have more and more of what I just call like information-based services, everything from working in a restaurant to being a professor, where a lot of what you're doing is words. Like if I showed up at my job at P.F. Chang's back in high school and I said, I thought it was, is more effective communication to not say anything and not to show up, they're not gonna keep paying me. So. Mm. Um, Publish okay. or perish. <laughs> no, but that, basically what it, you need so to do it, at some level, at some level, you just have to make arbitrary demarcations of like, if, if you have a limited number of what we're calling jobs that can provide a livelihood in an urban So-called setting. So-called jobs. Well, no, because part of what it's saying is, like, even if somebody wanted to, in a city, try to grow their own food and get their water, they just couldn't do it. It's impossible. So, Well, they also get in trouble. There was some lady in Florida. No, no, who's, that's what I'm saying. Dis- disconnected exactly. to the
0: grid. She was on solar. She had her own well. <clears> she had everything right. all set up. And they, she's like, I don't want to connect to the grid. And they charged her. I mean, I
1: think it was more no, than I know 100. that's what I'm saying. He it's bucks them, it's
0: But they don't want you to do that.
1: No, and you can't. And so what I'm saying is there's only so many tickets to get into, um, into the, the show. Resistance. No, yeah. into the show. So you make certain requirements like, oh, must have a college degree. So regardless of whether what you thought about it or what I thought about it, or anyone thinks about their school, if they get that seal of approval, no matter yeah. what they did or didn't do, if only 30% of people have that, And you want to get rid of a lot of potential applicants to a few jobs, you just say something like requires that degree, even if the degree Mm -hmm. has absolutely nothing to do with what you're going to be doing.
0: Yeah. Because so it's just I like that you said, uh, I like that you said, ticket to the show. Which also is I learned in New York drug slang for like drugs. Like if you want to get drugs. Yeah. How you got many it.
1: tickets? How many tickets? Okay. How
0: many tickets to the show? Yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't tell that was important. That, inside. that is important and very clandestine language. I don't think anyone knows Oh, okay. That. I don't even think that's the hilarious. He knows that.
0: This is the uh, yeah, guy tickets listening to, to the show. show.
1: And yeah, like, right. yeah, it's,
0: he's 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 at a kiosk, and someone's like, "Tickets to the show," and he arrests him. He's like, yeah,
1: "Fucking drug dealer! Get him! Shoot him! Yeah, Kill him!" Like, how did how did they know what we were talking about? It's like, well, people have been saying that same for like fifty years. and you're only thirty years old, so since before, <laughs> and you're more. handing him drugs, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, so you make these these lines in the sand. So regardless of the reputation of Princeton at any given time for the foreseeable future. Anyone with that distinction has, on average, a better chance than someone else who doesn't have it. Oh, for sure, job. it's at least a,
0: it's at least a conversation starter. Yeah, I mean, definitely, if you're like going through resumes and something says Princeton, it's like, all right, well, there's something going on there. Exactly.
1: And then <clears throat> another one says
0: University of California Santa Cruz. You know, yeah. like but which one? That, you, which one are you going to look like? Or no college?
1: Like that's where or, it becomes up, difficult. Uprights.
0: Upright Citizens Brigade, improv 101 and 201.
1: Yeah, you're like <laughs> interesting. They're like, we don't, um, we don't need any shenanigans around here. Don't call the stand-up comedian. That's right. Like, like the hard ass. Right, well, let's um
0: oh yeah. So uh should we talk uh should we talk third party candidates?
1: Uh I mean I've already told you I'm voting for you. I don't care whether you like it or nice. not. Nice. I'm nice. I'm voting, my, I'm voting for my. I'm voting for. My, I'm voting for my dad. Oh, cool! So we'll each get so two goldens. will get
0: so my dad, my dad, and I are gonna like. We're gonna have to. We'll debate him and I will debate. <laughs> Who, <laughs> neither of us will be president, but one of us will get more votes. So so far, each one of them... each it's fifty fifty. There's two people that are gonna vote <laughs> for either me or him, and it's tied. Um, maybe I can get him to vote for me.
1: I thought that's what he's going to uh, do. That's a, that's a wonderful idea.
0: I, I, I don't know. Well, I got cornered at a child's birthday party by uh, somebody who's like kind of demanded to know who I vote would vote for. And uh, I, and they asked me, like, are you going to vote? And I said, yeah, of course I'm going to vote. I've been voting every single election since I got to vote against that warmonger son of a bitch, George W. Bush, in whatever that was, 2004. And then I said, th- I'm exactly who should vote.
1: I'm very informed. That's, <laughs> you were so proud of yourself the first time you said that. You're like, yes, I'm 21 and look at me Hell say yeah. things.
0: I'm exactly who should be voting. Uh and then and then I was like, and I hate that everyone's so doom and gloom about like the election. Like, you know, I guess yeah, we got Trump and Biden, but like we also we who have else? a conspiracy, we have a conspiracy theory, Kennedy. We have Marianne Williamson, we have motherfucking cornell west who i have to say has the greatest presidential platform i have ever seen it is a like liberal not liberal progressive like left wing like hard left platform it's fucking beautiful and i want to vote for that i want to vote for that and i like i i i think i'm down for west like i don't know if he's going to be on the ballot i think i have to switch to peace and freedom to try to nominate him through that and then he can get on the ballot like Oh, man, it seems like a steep climb, but just in terms of pure party platform, he's got it all, baby. He's got everything I want. And I don't agree with him on every single thing, but overall, it is a wet dream of a presidential platform. And it just makes me so sad that everyone's going to fucking lie about him and call him crazy and show some crazy picture of him uh, and uh, uh, try to convince you this guy's nuts when um, (sighs) – He's bringing up some really damn good points that need to be in the debate. And if I was Joe Biden, I would say, "All right, well, listen, pal, like Trump doesn't want to debate us, so like let's let's debate. Let's get Cordo West. Let's get some of these candidates together." But of course, he won't do that. you are not going to do that. Of course not. He can't. So, but I, I was like, I'm not doom and gloom at all. Like I'm hoping to vote for Cornell West, you know. And if not, then I'm going to vote for my dad. And and then she was like, "Well, that's not what I meant."
1: And, and, and what, I think I think what sure. Would you yes. give up your right to vote if the election, if the selection process was, say, if all of them had to have a live debate for three and a half hours mm-hmm. and <laughs> there was yeah. a shark tank That's yeah, like, Each of them yes. was put yeah, in, of course. They were all put into. Oh, a dude, I, I, the I'm
0: down for any type of gladiatorial combat. For sure, Trump. I, I didn't say was, combat. Was, I didn't
1: like, look at where your mind went, you Roman-esque man. I just said they're put into the tank. I didn't say where they're fighting. But yeah, I've so seen Thunderball. Right I know what's vote? up. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'm an anarchist. You know, I'm a utopian. Well, you know, you also know who would win that. It would obviously be Cornell West. So it's an easy thing to oh, give right. because you know you're going to get. Well, Cornell
0: West would Cornell West would team up with the Sharks. You'd be like, why am I fighting against my brothers? Why are we fighting against each other? We should team up and eat these eat these fucking white people. And, and, uh, they would no, because he's
1: seen as the armchair philosopher. He would still be sitting back while the other ones are Oh no! Yeah, R I bet he could Talking up. about, I bet, I bet Cornell yeah.
0: West has a katana. He's he has a katana for sure, and he'll bring yeah. it to the debate anyway no he's he's just got a great fucking platform and so anyway the person who asked me he's like well that's not what i mean and then i was i realized she just meant like are you voting for joe biden and i said oh do you mean will i vote for who you tell me to vote for no absolutely not ever but i keep having this conversation where people are like well unless you vote for joe biden you don't believe in democracy which is like the most undemocratic thing you know people are like oh you know don't you want you know yeah. don't you want to save democracy in order to save democracy you better do it. So you know what's
1: interesting? Are great? you kidding
0: me? If that's true, then democracy doesn't exist. This is just a, um, uh, what's it called? A participatory kleptocracy. It's not a participatory democracy. You get to play this fucking pageant of voting for these windbags of candidates. Uh, and it doesn't matter who we shuffle in and out fundamentally. If you're kind of part of the elite and not... Uh, an immigrant or somebody who looks like an immigrant. Um, but uh fundamentally it's a dog and pony show to vote in a general election in California for president. So I might as well vote my conscience because I've held my nose enough times, Ben. Held my nose enough times. I voted for Clinton and for Biden. You know, I was talked into it, and you know what. I'm glad for. I, I was proud to vote for the first woman uh, candidate. I thought that was really cool, and I wanted that to happen. Uh, I, I'm glad that uh, Biden stopped the war in Afghanistan and, uh, or pulled out of Afghanistan at least, uh, and uh, and pardoned Abraham Bolden. I think he said he was going to be a healer, and those seem to be a couple of things that I think are are positive. And I think he's floundering now, and he's going to lose the election because he doesn't know. Doesn't have he doesn't believe in anything when it comes to the Middle East, so like he he's not going to give BB the keys to do whatever he wants, but he's also not going to fully <laughs> chant from the river to the sea, right? And the Democratic Party is about to implode just like they did in '68 due to Vietnam. I think it's avoidable; it's not inevitable like it was in '68, but it's fucking bleak. That being said, let's look at something like so the way the polling is looking right now. When you throw in someone like rfk jr the polling is looking like uh it's helping trump from the minimal amount of polling we see on this just a couple of polls that have a third party with trump and biden in there biden is not doing well because like what i was hoping is like for something kind of you know 1996 ish or i'm sorry 1992 ish because i think ross perot is like a great example of somebody who like them being part of the election i think was good for the whole thing you know they didn't he didn't get any electoral votes but he got 20% of the vote that's unprecedented in our time it's crazy and you know it's it's debated whether or not it really did sway the election to clinton but i think it certainly had an effect um and i think it was good for democracy and i know he is like the i was saying oh you know ross perot is like the butt of a lot of jokes or i said he's a, you know he's a lot of jokes and my dad said well, he's the butt of a lot of jokes and and i said yeah the joke's on us though you know because he <laughs> like these people who are third-party candidates we make them out to be nut jobs. okay so the steve jobs when he was kicked off kicked out of apple he started this company called next and next was a failure but next got uh, had developed this amazing operating system and that operating system was later what became osx so when apple bought out next they bought this operating system and it's the same operating system kernel that i'm using right now and uh it was a pretty revolutionary operating system right and um the guy next would not have happened next computers would not have happened and all these browsers were on or i'm sorry all these uh, operating systems were all on would not Uh, exist in their current form, had it not been for Ross Perot. Ross Perot is this guy like, yeah, he's a joke, he's a weirdo, whatever. But you know what? He had, I think, an interesting impact on an election that made it different than other years and eventually it went against the candidate that I hated, which was, you know, I was too young to remember to know what was going on, but I remember it. And, um, you know, looking back at what a scumbag uh, Bush was and all the things that he was involved with. Uh, I think it was good for the country what happened in that election in general, and then, uh, as my dad would say, Clinton just jizzed away all that opportunity. So yeah, it's true. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it would. I think it would hurt the Democrats it, it because we're the or we're they're the incumbent this time, just like uh, just like uh, the Republicans were in '92. So I think the third party is going to hurt
1: them. Now yeah. that being said,
0: See,
1: go ahead. Oh. Just one, just one and quick thought on that last but like the just the, the idea that each party is an entity into itself. So it wants to recreate itself and the amount of just like hyperventilating there is over trying to blame this or that for swaying the way mm-hmm. something turned out, which it's yeah. I'm not saying stuff doesn't have an impact on each other, but almost completely mum and mute when it comes to what did you do yourself to bring you to where you got right. To? It's That's never right. about and anything, anything I'll take
0: any the blame, control. whatever.
1: It's just it's just ridiculous because the whole contrivance of it from like a philosophical standpoint, it's just all flabbergasting and fucking bloviating. Um, what we call either discourse or debate or like law and all this kind of stuff. It's you know, the word might sound a little prettier and one or than than the other, but at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of hyperventilating over about like super nuanced shit. Cause yeah. No one does what I just call generally working with your hands, everything from childcare, actually doing it, not hiring it out, to tending to the earth and either growing uh-huh. food or working with the soil. Since so many of us, it's like very difficult to even find it to do. Hmm. It just it engenders this. Now, what we're seeing, what I'm just calling like the, we're just so many people, everything that is their day is information either verbal or written or visual in some way, but no tactile knowledge is gained. You're not working with your hands at all, ever. Wow. And I think that, so one of the things I was trying to develop was like under what setting would the idea of modern liberalism actually function as it was thought like it could? And one of the things <laughs> I realized is like this idea that we always describe to like the yin and yang, the yin is, the, is this, you know, the philosophy of knowledge, but the yang is having to do work with your hands where a lot of days, either you're too tired to talk in the first place or you need to talk about something actually going on, whether it's, you know, a a landslide or this or that or just crops where if you don't have that balance and you can go too much, too many people for too long can be focused on just the talk side of it, Mm-hmm. It, or just the word side of it words in either talk or text or, or or some visual it creates a lot of why we you know sit here and babble on about it on liberal guilt radio because it's absolutely fascinating to see oh we don't bamble we don't babble on we ramble on oh ramble excuse me the 70s once again rearing their head <laughs> 70s ramble on you're right ramble on all right credence um But it's true. It's like, you know, it's not in and of itself a terrible idea. It's just Uh at some point when you get in my mind to either specialize in something for too long or too many people can kind of not do the things that bodies do on this planet for too long. It just creates all these weird disturbances that we see. And so well, like,
0: we create a drone, we create a drone class, like in the bees, you know, like just the bed drones just like sitting around lounging. Like they technically have some purpose in the society, but for what? You know what I mean? But even just to but, keep but it about, going. Keep what going.
1: Right. And then the big the you know, like I was thinking like the the equivalent of the Luddites when it came to machines at <laughs> factories. No, the equivalent of the Leadites today would be people whose livelihood is words so that's everything from like professors to consultants to people in different business things and administration uh and writer and and so but with the academics in particular it would really show like that quote actions speak louder than words it's like if words are that easy to come by it shows the fallacy of having too much in the basket of what i'm calling modern liberalism because Mm. At some point, there are things like there are actions behind everything. There's a in in our world, there's a physical aspect to all information. It when it's used to either leverage some other resource like money or something like that, it could be a you know, food or anything like that. When you're using it as a point of leverage, the words, you have what we call like the authority behind you. Do you recognize the authority of XYZ? But the words coming from someone of a place that's agreed to have authority just has more weight as seen by more people. Mm-hmm. Um no. and so it's just like that's the 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 Luddites of today are the <laughs> professors, the nonprofit workers, the uh <laughs> You right, know? it's like that's the funny part that the Luddites that they love to write about, especially in academia for so long about like, oh, the people's revolution, like you're the ones who are going next as much as you want to say it's not gonna happen. And right. Like if
0: you're if you're a guy just, who was a, a, a log lugger, like he was lugging logs, and then you get replaced by a crane that's moving the logs around, like that's exactly. the equivalent of being somebody who's like
1: a like an English
0: yeah. professor. And or, so but so an, many an editor.
1: And so many aspects of academia, especially like the professional ones, as they get more and more uh, focused and then also yeah. referential to their own discipline and then also just general practice, it becomes mm-hmm. easier and easier for a machine generated text to generate a document that looks and feels exactly like theirs. Because, like, I just my joke the other day was that citations are just plagiarism like using, throwing it back on them. It's like, you're just citing things left and right. It's like, Okay, great. So someone said it was like at some point. And so. But well, you can
0: get not? into these endless cycles too. Like, exactly. You can but it cite sense. somebody who's citing you and you publish at the same
1: time. You yeah. Know? yeah, can you cite yourself? It just like it becomes so, but the, at the end of the day, the philosophy. People is, do that.
0: People do that. They cite themselves. No, no, no. I know.
1: I've even done it. The brief time I was in that. I'm just saying. But I'm talking about the like psych- psychology of it, the neuroses of it. and It's <laughs> it like sending yourself easier. pictures of your own balls. But it becomes easier for what we call AI to generate yeah. those. I mean, they can already almost do it. And then, but then yeah. it becomes well. Then, what do you tether to? It's like well, and it's going to be the same thing, you know, like publishing in journals. It's like well, what if it was written with AI? Is that actually a problem? And so it's like, but a lot of and then things, is it
0: re- is it read by AI? Like the AI is writing it, and re- what if the AI starts liking it? The AI starts having taste, and it starts well, writing start, for it, exactly.
1: Then they'll start having a seat on the 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 uh the board of the board uh, yeah Trustees. To decide we'll decide what gets gets into like say harvard law review or something or Princeton oh, God. or any of these imagine that in 10 20 100 years that some of the seats are held by the machine and the machine is uh, owned by a corporation so it's how that corporation officers have decision making and mm-hmm. it sits on the board But, like, why not just imagine it's going to happen in like seven years? So you're like, holy shit. Because, yeah, what if (laughs) we're not going to be around to see it? So you're like, just like hyperventilate about it more and be like, it's going to happen in like 2030. Like, the world is coming to an end, and AI will be on the boards of all of the business and law journals in the entire country of the United States. But, but, not a star
0: chamber of AI.
1: Would that be incredible in 2030? The confluence of those two things. Things nice.
0: I wonder what <laughs> Marvel movies are coming out that year.
1: <laughs> well, uh, so they probably I mean, haven't all planned uh, out. They got planned, the
0: AI's got everything planned out, well, got the world you say, planned out and the Marvel movies.
1: Did he say, that? uh, the Lucas film series is planned out to 2038 at least one line of production or something? Like that? <laughs> Not
0: 2038, but it's far out. I mean, that's that's the joke. No, it was 15 years last year.
1: Oh God, uh, but family. no it's yeah i all know.
0: right oh you want to hear some horrible neoliberal shit so i'm teaching my son uh i'm teaching my son <laughs> how to how to make money so i'm going to make money this week so uh he wanted this lego set a little like choo-choo train parade lego set with like disneyland characters and it. it's really cute for thirty eight dollars forty you know or it was like 36 dollars 40 with tax and he was like i want that and i was like well if your birthday's done hanukkah's done christmas is done and then he's like halloween's done like, yeah halloween's done and so the point is like you got a whole other like 11 months basically until you start getting some shit again And like he's like well i want it I'm like do you have any money he's like you have money i'm like yeah that's my money i earned this and so uh <laughs> and so i was like all right i'm gonna buy this and then you oh have until the end of God. the week the end of the week to make $40 and then you can have it. And uh, so we have all these little JFK half dollars. And again, back to the mid How does he make money? What are the history?
1: ways he can make money?
0: By doing what I said. Like the guy in the house who's in charge of the money. I'm just like, all right go clean this up and I'll give you a 50 cent piece. And so and then I started bumping things up. I'll give him a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there. He already had like a couple of dollars like sewed away. And I wasn't like when he makes the $40, I wasn't going to like take it from him. Like I was going to let him keep it. It was more of the idea of like, hey, look, you're earning until you, you have to work until you get what you want. You can't just like go out and like have immediate gratification. So I know you're a bar fan. And there was moments where he's like, I don't want to be like, do you want the Lego set? Because you know, you have till the yeah. weekend to get it. And then, and then at some point, you know, I kind of be like, hey, man, you want to make a little money? And he was like, Ugh. no. And then i am be like, hey, man, you want to make a little money? He's like, all right. And then it gets to the point where he's, pre- <laughs> he's pretty close. Like, I have it all timed out. And then I, <laughs> he comes home from his grandpa's house, Amelia's dad's house. And I noticed he's got five bucks in his pocket. What? And I was like, I was like, what, what did you do here? Did you do some chores for Papa? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, so not only he... He, he was wow. getting work from me, but then he was going out and shaking him down. Like, you got any work? got any work around here? What did he do thing?
1: for? It? What did he do for?
0: It? I don't know. Just clean some stuff up. It's not really, it's the, you know, uh, he helped me with nah, the laundry. He, That's he incredible. helped me put away some toys. Yeah. So he, he made his $40. And so, like, I cashed him out. Like, I just gave him cash and then took all of the, the Kennedy dollars. And then, like, I'll just kind of, we'll use those as tokens for him to make money and then he can save money. Um, and then next time he wants to be like, oh, I want that. I'll be like, okay, well, you have X amount of money. spend it or not. And, or you can make Lee, some money. You're creating I know.
1: Frankenstein. No, I'm just kidding. It's, I'm, I'm just saying like, no, it's a beautiful I hate thing. this
0: fucking system as much as you, but I need to make some earners. No, people, what I'm saying? But
1: I don't believe censorship is a long-term strategy. Censorship is a is a is set. i – I'm not censoring anybody. No, exactly. I'm saying that's a good thing. Yeah. You not showing him this doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So I'm saying it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. Good. Um, it just, you know,
0: it took, it's like, I'm fine. You know, it, it took me a while to get some financial sense in me. And I, you know, I got things worked out and I'm living the American dream yeah, now.
1: But you only got like, on a healthy, healthy relationship with it. Because one time you asked him if you wanted to make a little bit of money and he said no. So he's obviously already got some balance built in. So as long as you know, you're right, he's on of like, come on, come on, come on, come, really come good on, boy. which you're not doing. He's not your friend at the bar when you're 22. Um, so, and now he's got his toy, he and he, he, was so exactly. he was so proud.
0: Exactly, so proud. So I was like, I, he, I was like, "Hey, man!" When I gave it to him, I was like, "Is this a prize? Is this a present?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "No, it's not. It's not a present. You earned this. You worked for this." Yeah, you know. And there, and uh, you know, there were some times where he's like, "I don't want to." And and I was like, "Look, man," because he was cleaning stuff up. He didn't want to clean up a mess for a couple of coins. And uh, I was like, "Look, man, I I don't want to have to go. My job." involves a lot of cleaning up other people's messes. And uh, I don't like doing it either. But because I do, I get to, you know, buy myself toys when I feel like it and buy you toys when I feel like it. So if you want that toy, gotta do some work. And again, I hate this fucking capitalist system. And I don't believe in the idea of like work for work's sake, that work itself is a, uh, is a moral thing or a good thing or whatever. But I do think that like, it is a putting in some eff- putting in some effort putting in some effort whatever the like reward system is i think helps and if he's going to live in the system even if like capitalism breaks down people are still going to be like hustling for coins back and forth like it's going to take human beings a while to get off of that like we might shut down international markets and in some project mayhem type scenario but people are still going to be trading with their little shells with presidents on them you know for some time um Anyway, yeah, everybody, hang on to those little uh, those little silver dollars. <laughs> it's actual silver, baby. But yeah, anyway, anything, so maybe you can I thought you would map find map that disgusting. So that's no, uh, wonderful. That's
1: a wonderful thing.
0: So you mentioned the third party stuff. So let's uh, at the beginning. So let's let's round things out and let's, let's yeah let's tell finish us. up. The Give me a little third party. more update because I don't know. Yeah. So so you know obviously like i'm into the kennedy conspiracy stuff i think it's interesting stuff and the whole family never talks about it you never get the family to to talk about it, except for rfk jr right he's an environmental lawyer and a very liberal guy who um you know suffered some health problems and is i think a good-hearted but like kind of um uh um traumatized man i mean think what he went through nice. i mean the ken the kennedys had like 11 children robert and Ethel kennedy i think 10 or 11 children double digit children at hickory hill and uh you know wow. being the namesake of that and like all of that stuff and then you know getting sick and having his um you know his uh uh, physical condition that makes him sort of speak in a, in a labored way that like a lot of people who just look at a thing of the president being someone on TV might be like, Oh, well, he talks weird or whatever, you know? Um, but you know, he's, he who's an environmental lawyer and believes in all these liberal causes and stuff. But he also has said lots of like anti-vax stuff. is not so good. He himself is vaccinated. And like, I think vaccinated his own, his own family. And like I said, he's a traumatized person. I mean, he's a literal orphan of Camelot. Right. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, there's this whole family curse and like, he doesn't even get to get shot like the other guys. He has to, you know, get sick and, you know, he has to have some conspiracy to blame it on. So blame it on the, uh, blame it on the, um, the vaccines, like for everyone, I'm like, that is like horrible health policy and disqualifying. I'm like, yeah, it is disqualifying health policy, but also like, he's like a broken Kennedy and it's like a beautiful thing that we have this on display right now. And I want everyone to appreciate that. And also, he is making really important points. So I do feel like the vaccine thing is disqualifying as a candidate but i also feel like joe biden's support of the war in iraq raising to vote for that war was disqualifying same as hillary clinton Lee. so when never... the question is would you rather have robert f kennedy who cares about the environment and anti-surveillance eh, and also said something about vaccines or donald trump like who are you going to choose
1: donald right trump. It would, no, a
0: question? No. no i'm just saying like if people think of it that way and everyone's thinking about the lesser of two evils like okay how much more or less evil is robert f kennedy you know and like just to give stupid people a little bit of credit the idea of mass um medication un- you know inoculation has been around for you know hundreds of years but the idea of like kind of modern mass medication is still weird to people like they don't like the fluoride and they don't like the vaccines and then you get these conspiracy horror stories so like I think these people are stupid and it's dumb, but like, you know, uh, that being said, fuck me for saying that we should have some, some sympathy for some of these people. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It's different because he's a public figure of running. Yeah. Well, right? well, one thing the, though
1: is I have looked at a few of his longer responses and the part yeah. that's really interesting is the part that's brought forward. It seems is what you're saying, mm. but it's partly, it's all coming from democratic party operatives in the press or society at large. And the more nuance of it is more in line with what his general sense is, what you're saying about his candidacy, which is critiques of power and systems of power and authority, because he gets into all of those things. And it's not actually that he's anti Any of those little quotes about him that say he is, if you've noticed they all come from someone who's heavily either affiliated with the Democrat party or if you knew who they were, Because they know he's a threat because they know he's the – they know he's the real – he he carries – he's carrying the
0: actual legacy and torch of like what the Kennedys supposedly stand for and what the Democrats and liberals supposedly stand for. But because he said some things that they've taken out of context, context. they disqualify him.
1: Well, it's also the strategy. If he was the candidate for the Democrats, I know party, he's, the the Democrats. Exactly. he's the opponent
0: of the Democrats. Exactly. opponent of the Democrats. If he was their candidate, just like Cornel West is, <laughs> even though they're like, they're both all supposedly the liberal people. That's why like the whole liberal thing falling uh, apart where all the right wing crazies are getting consolidated in the GOP and they can align against us. And that's clearly what's happening. So, I'll, so you, you mentioned a really good point, which is like taking out of context and just little snippets that they bring forward. Perfect example is this. There's this clip that the, Democrats were sending around that was like, you know, this is Robert F. Kennedy's view on COVID lockdowns. And then it was like this quote of him saying, you know, even in Nazi Germany, you could sneak over the Alps, over, you know, the Alps into Switzerland, or you could hide in an attic. And it was like, isn't that disgusting? And then RFK like like posted the, the, well, listen to this, RFK posted the full clip and he says, It's really scary how there's all these uh, surveillance satellites that are, you know, all over the globe. And Bill Gates himself says that, you know, with his satellite technology soon, he'll be able to see every spot on Earth at every given time, you know. And this is what's called a turnkey dictatorship that we could just hand over to anybody, you know. And it really scares me. Um, And it makes me think of when, you know, my father and I, we went and visited East Germany. And with this turnkey dictatorship, it really scares me because even in Nazi Germany, you could escape over the Alps into Switzerland, or you could hide in a closet. They use that end part and they said, he was talking about COVID. He was talking about their surveillance state that the neoliberals
1: yeah. but what's not help, not only help maintain,
0: they rely on to stay alive.
1: But what I also get back to more and more with all these candidates is that when I was talking about word count, as you build mm-hmm. up more of this hierarchy, this hegemony of of forms and functions of words, Yeah, it's you end up a lot of the positions of power like this tend to be people who are more verbose, if in this case, it's a lot of talking. So they're all polemicists. So taking like a sentence that RFK or Trump or Biden or Obama or Clinton or any of them have said, they all just talk. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's verbal diarrhea. But taking Mm -hmm. any one line doesn't really say anything about them at all because they just right. talk so it's just hilarious that because what's funny is like when biden was first running or whoever the last one was they were all up in arms about like oh you shouldn't be focusing on these little snafus that biden has because sometimes you just you know gets into this weird headspace it's like well so does rfk so does trump so does all of them and it's funny just to see just the vapidness of all the strategies where it's always looking outward it's never inward it's like, oh, I didn't, you know. It doesn't matter whether I'm guilty this Dude. or this this person. And it's Dude, just hilarious cool, to
0: watch. How cool would it be if like we were all on the same side? Like, how cool would it be if like you know well, Cornell West and RFK? Cornell West and RFK Junior. And but but I'm saying like these are the like Bobby Kennedy not or in the Democratic Party what. This is why that I to me wanna... is 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 like a crazy sign of like where liberal and liberalism in America is going because it's like about to fall apart. It is Weimar Republic level because they're not giving anybody anything to vote for; just vote against, vote against but Trump, vote think about what I this. think about. is... It's scary. We can't rely on the demographics. Everyone's like, I'm, you know, are uh, I'm not going to mention names. People just saying like, well, you know, demographically, it's impossible for the Republicans to take over, and it's like, well, they're. <laughs> They don't need to win the election to do it. So don't worry about that. Demographics yeah. don't matter. Also, the, the GOP is making inroads, significant, statistically noticeable inroads among black and brown people in this country under Trump. OK, and uh, I think that's because like uh, there's just there's a lot of people, including a lot of men that are pissed off at the the gender politics. They want to kind of get away from that. And they see somebody is like, as Trump is like you know (laughs) cool (laughs) like and that's the thing that the liberal establishment doesn't understand is that like they're even though trump's disgusting there are aspects about him that appeal to people he's a brawler he's in your face he you know he's a pussy but he seems strong he projects strength know and i know that like people people don't fall for it so and and i don't fall for it either but i understand like what the appeal is that he's a wwf character and like the you know neolibs around us all like they are people who don't watch wrestling (laughs) and so you know and, and i mean that i don't mean that literally i mean that figuratively you know that like this to them is like they don't understand the appeal of like hulk hogan because they're like that's stupid that's not what i that's not what i watch i watch the english patient or whatever with Juliette Benoche or some shit like that. Okay. You know, this is an anathema to them. Whereas like I, a lot yeah. of people I can appreciate, even though I think wrestling is dumb, I've watched wrestling before I went, oh, God, I don't see what people like this.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean you I'd still choose to watch the English patient again over a wrestling match. But that's just me. But I under I wouldn't like, watch neither. I'd go do something. <laughs> but if they
0: take I'd go watch is, Ancient Aliens.
1: No, it is it's 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 very interesting and um, speaking
0: up n- next week we're going to we'll talk about uh, chariots of the chariots of the But God. a lot of it read I, that so, one as well.
1: Yeah, well let's do that. But yeah, I like the idea of to close it up with Yeah, like close the liber- the, li- the liberalism twist here is that <laughs> part of it, trying to understand more of the philosophy behind it is part just to look at things even more generally so calling what we're saying is US politics in the 21st century, it is all modern liberalism. So the colloquial use of liberal versus conservative is different than liberalism. So both, and Democrats, Republicans, doesn't matter. It's all encompassed in modern liberalism. And there's this
0: whole left wing, right wing thing, which still has like, it still has the backbone of fascist versus communists that people on the far side of each can't give up on.
1: Yeah. But it's so focused on the beliefs, the thoughts, and less on at the end of the day, what's being actually done. Because at some degree, conceptions of government then and now have included doing things in the material world. So at some point, either like you had just said most recently, the pushback against gender politics at the end of the day. It's a combination of what's said and what's done. So if a party is saying this stuff and but also just not doing anything for people that they either say they're gonna do or could do, they lose credibility. And the focal points obviously going to be another thing that's more scintillating, which is like, oh my God, they're, you know, they don't believe in this. And while it's true that there are people that don't, too much of it's rounded off to that extreme i don't really i don't really even care what my candidate believes i care so no no, but that's (laughs) no i know but it's all but the problem is none of our candidates
0: believe in anything no no no
1: all they talk about is what they believe in. we don't actually look at the action that's what but it's basically that if you think about having that balance again with the Mm -hmm. land and with the next generation you get back to that promise of the kibbutzim and many other and and we're back no, so back like over. Everyone should live on a communist no, no, no That's <laughs> not a choice that we all could even make right now. But thinking apocalyptically, mm. where my mind mm-hmm. went on being like, under what conditions does modern modern liberalism either thrive or survive? It's like, will it make it through that ninety nine percent culling of our herd, so to speak, that apocalypse that we yeah. all are like dreaming of? And it's like, imagine again. That whoever it is, not you, just whoever it is of the 1%, make it to the other side. A lot of the philosophical underpinnings, the idea of the self-conscious and talking about beliefs and and resolving things through discourse may end up being like one of the grounding philosophies because you have that balance again with working the land and working with Mm -hmm. the next generation. And there's no choice that... Almost no one can do that. Whereas today, I'd say we have about two to three hundred million people around the globe, kind of the two of us included, who don't actually really have that labor anymore.
0: And yeah. so, I mean, I uh, agree with you. Like, so right now, this, it's
1: dead. It's the most. This is
0: more of an anthropological
1: thing, too. But I agree oh yeah, but fundamentally just- that
0: fundamentally, we should still just be like Planet of the Apes tribesmen.
1: I'm not saying what we should be. It's just eventually things happen. And would it be 10 years or 2 trillion? I don't know. We, but, we seem to be willing it into existence. You know, We I mean? want to think and, we are. And whether we are or aren't, we will never know. But I certainly is, love talking about how we are because it's you know, more
0: Well, let, let's go back to astrophysics. We'll talk about entropy. You know what I mean? It's like you have to, if you think of any society as like a state, You know, or like a collection of matter, like entropy, you know, dictates that it will fall apart. So one thing you never (laughs) know know know. is
1: the time. I'm saying you never know the time frame. Is it tomorrow or is it two trillion trillion years from now? Like we don't actually ever know that. So that's um, really
0: at the end of it. So once we get beyond these like petty politics, I think we can start exploring the real philosophical, metaphysical, astrophysical
1: conundrums that confront us. You know what no, I mean? no, no. We just like, work. We just get back to playing in the soil.
0: Fighting, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, I, you know, I think a return to agrarian society could have some appeal. I mean, there's certain people who do that. We got Amish people and Mennonites and stuff like this. And yeah, the kibbutzim. Uh, there are models of this. Um, and yeah, who knows? We seem to be willing into existence some sort of like flood, whether it be you know. uh, a world war, an EMP attack, a breakdown of the internet, a breakdown of the banking system, anything that would cause sort of cataclysmic change in the structure of society and potentially the uh, uh, disintegration of institutions that support various power structures that benefit or uh, detract, may benefit or detract from our, our lives, whatever.
1: So leave. Because
0: it seems as though like, It is the crazy people who want war's game to lose. Like the people who want peace, like uh, it's getting hard to kind of control the heat here in what's going on. Uh, But we'll see what Biden does in Iran. I I saw something here that in the news that the Iranian militants say they're going to stop The bombing or something so maybe they cut a deal maybe they brokered a deal maybe the the biden administration is trying to end world prevent world war three i really don't know all i'm saying is like if you really are guilty liberal you have to be about peace at all costs right now and uh, we don't need to get into ceasefire this or ceasefire that i think i've made my opinion clear which is ceasefire but uh um there's going to be a lot of people saying a lot of nasty things about good people like Cornell West. And yes, I think RFK jr. Has a good, I think he's pure of heart. The Kennedys are flawed, but, but, uh, 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 inspirational people. And I think we should listen to some of the things he has to say about the surveillance state and the way we're treating the environment. I think we should listen to Dr. West, uh, and, um, the vision he has for America. Um, and uh, he says, "America needs a doctor." I agree. Uh, Marianne Williams uh, Williamson, or uh, I, I like the things she said. I like that she's a spiritual woman, a woman of faith. Uh, you don't have to agree with what somebody believes in to to appreciate that they believe. In. These are this is an exciting year. This is not doom and gloom. Right? It's only doom and gloom if you think that you don't have a choice anymore. That protecting democracy means giving away your vote and just voting for whom they say you should. No. These could be days of glory. And I was talking to my dad about this. He was kind of dad, he's just like, I just didn't, he's like, do you want your sons to be marching in the the Trump youth? And I said, of course not, because we will be not the resistance, the revolution. Don't you understand, Saba? You've been preparing me for this philosophically, intellectually, emotionally, my entire life. You brought a Holocaust survivor to our temple when I was eight years old. And she explained, explained her story of her father's brains being blown off into the the uh, uh, cobblestone streets of the fucking ghetto right in front of her and then ripping her earrings out of her ears. And then they I read this book. And, and you guys told me, never forget, Nazis are gonna come back and you're gonna have to rise, uh, you're gonna have to resist against them, revolt against them. And my dad just looks at me and he's like, I, yeah, I just didn't think I was gonna live to see it. I'm like, yeah, me neither. But these could be days, these could be the yeah. end of days, my friends but these Maybe. could also be days of glory. This may be these the last be days of I've glory. That's right. War might break out. You and I might have to go to battle like the dad in Mulan. <laughs> you love Pocahontas, I love Pocahontas too, but Mulan. Uh,
1: I think yeah. as just history would not say that as Jews- That we're gonna we, go. We would be something akin to a Mulan figure. We are, uh, That's that's not happening. So, yeah. yeah, but you know, um, you never know what's going to happen.
0: That's right. You know, um, uh, what's his name? Simon Wiesenthal, Wiesenthal? Simon Wiesenthal, the legendary uh, Nazi hunter. He was an archetype, I think, but he was also a stand-up comedian before the war. And he joked about Hitler before Hitler murdered his wife and many of his friends. Changed his life forever. Um, so, wow. yeah. there is a man, uh, there's a great man I think we can, we can look to in these dark times. be proud what to meet you. Jew, might say, about all this. Well, like Lee said, these could be days of glory, Ben. But these could also be days of darkness, where men look upon the earth and say, my God, what have we done? And it's up to us as men of God and men of law Protect those
1: things that make us America. Wow! Well, thank thank you, you, President Nixon. That was thank you, Tricky Dick. That was you basically that was sum that up. Thank you. Well, thanks, boys. Have a great year, and I'll see you now. Yeah, just try <laughs> to be a little. Thank early. you, Excellent. Bye, Nixon. Yeah, thank you, Mr. President. Okay, well, Alright, uh, well, we always have a good time here at Little Bill Radio. We thank you. Yeah. We
0: thank you. <laughs> for joining us, whoever you are. You. God bless you. Why God you? bless you. I don't know. God bless. Um, so, uh, thanks for another one, wonderful episode. You know, uh, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. We'll check You in, too. Uh, check in next time. You're on Liberal Guilt Radio. All right.
1: Thanks, Lee. Good talking. Ciao. Ciao.